in 14 through 16. So Romans 15, beginning in 14, we'll read through verse 16. Paul says to these Roman Christians that he's not met, for the most part. We get to the end of chapter 16, and you'll see that there are some that he recognizes, but there's, for the most part, he doesn't, he doesn't know these folks. Um, but listen to what he says about them in verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also full of goodness. Isn't that something? I, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I had taken it out of my notes because they were just getting too long. But there was a time, in fact, the very first meeting, Andrew, I didn't make because Andrew was being born. But there was a time when there were several preachers, Brother Paul was one of them, that were meeting here. And it was, I don't know, was it quarterly? I don't know how often we met, maybe quarterly. But it was it was began by another pastor that Brother Paul and I both knew. Uh, Brother Barney Bryant and some other men came, and um, we were meeting for prayer. And it was it was good, you know, us uh, praying, you know, together. And then it evolved into starting to have somebody, you know, speak. And then some things in the midst of the the some of the men that were were coming not the ones that I've mentioned, but some others, they were of this sort of a mindset of the, uh, we're, we're wicked, we are vile, we are wretched, we can do no good, we can say no good, um, you know, that our very best works in the sight of God, you know, are just in vain. And that was really the where it kind of ended, it, it, it it didn't last much longer after that. But can you can you tell any difference between that sort of a mindset um, and what we have here that Paul's saying? What does he say? He says, I'm persuaded of you, brethren, that you're full of goodness. That's a little different, isn't it? Uh, you're full of goodness. Filled with all knowledge, also able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I've written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because the grace that is given to me of God that I should minister or be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And I think that right there is the reason why Paul could say, I'm persuaded this of you, brethren, that you're full of goodness. You're full of goodness, and <clears throat> not just goodness, but the next thing that he mentions there is filled with knowledge. Now, I want you to take note of full and filled, because that kind of harkens back to last week, doesn't it? This abounding hope. We talked about a hope that abounds last week, a hope that, that fills us. We're full of hope. You know, so we were full of hope last week. Now we're talking about being full of good, goodness and being filled with knowledge. Um, being filled with knowledge and then at the very end there in the 16th verse, sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So that's what we want to, to look at this morning. One thing that I said to those, uh, because it became, it became a big deal, to where other preachers who weren't even meeting with us became involved. Um, but one thing that I said to the chief brother who was of this opinion, I said, brother, I said, go to the letters that are written to the different churches. I mean, you've got Galatia, you've got Philippi, you've got Colossia, you've got Corinth, and all those letters, how does it start? I mean, there's, there's greetings, right, that are given to all those churches, but it says to the what? At, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints you know, at Philippi, to the saints at Galatia. doesn't say to the sinners, the wretched, vile, ungodly, you know, people at, you know, all these places. No, it says to the saints. That, what are we called to be? We're called to be saints. That's what the Scripture tells us. Now, am I saying that we don't have shortcomings? We have shortcomings. Am I saying that we're without sin? No, I'm not saying that, you know. But the Bible's focusing upon, you know, this goodness 
Is it our goodness? I mean, Brother JT's already talked about it this morning in a sense, hasn't he? I mean, the Lord walked by and said, live. Would there be any goodness in us if it weren't for the work of God by his grace? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Then I could go over there and and say, you know, with, with Jeremiah, you know, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Outside of Christ, absolutely. But in Christ, I've been given a new heart. Right? I'm still in this fleshly body. I still have to deal with sin every day. I have to face temptation continually. Right? But there is within me now a power, a force, you know, by the power of God that is saying, live. That is saying, be holy as I am holy. That is saying, be perfect. And so that's my aim. My aim isn't every day, you know, to be wretched and vile. You know, my aim every day is to holiness and godliness, uh, to live righteously and godly in this present age. You know, that's, that's my aim, you know. And what does God see when, he's, when he looks upon me? You know, what, what does he see? He sees Christ. You know, I am, I am a child of God. I'm adopted. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the, the beloved. You know, I'm in the family of God. He sees me as a son. He sees you ladies as, as daughters, you know. <clears throat> he sees us as his dear children, you know. Does he see things in us that need to be dealt with? Yes. Does he deal with them? Yes. He does. Will he root those things out? Sanctified by the Holy Ghost, right? You know, so we, 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 we kind of see the picture. You know, how could Paul say this about these people that he's not met? I mean, has he experienced or tasted of their goodness and hospitality in any way? No. How could he say it? Because this is true about all those who belong to him, all those who belong to God. You know, there's goodness in them because of God. There's faith in them because of God, because of his grace, right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bow before you this morning and just ask that you would, Father, help us as we look into these things, um, Father, to, to see and to behold the, the marvelous and wondrous work, Father, that you have done within each heart that is here that, is, that belongs to you, um, that has been called according to your purpose. Um, what a what a a magnificent thing the, your your grace and the salvation that is ours in Christ is and the life that we have. When Brother J T was talking to us this morning about living, and you we were dead in trespasses and sins, and you said unto us, "Live." And so, Father, we we come to you, ask that you would speak to us this morning as we are gathered here before you and have your word opened before us. Speak unto our hearts and minds. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, we talked about hope last week. Outside of Christ, we are without hope. Outside of Christ, we are without hope. You know, it's, it's, it's as if we are... I, I know some of the older people here know what a cistern is. Something that, a cistern that holds water, Right? I mean, you've heard that word before. The Bible uses the terminology of a cistern that's broken. That was us, you know, outside of Christ. We were broken cisterns. We could not hold. I mean, here we're talking about being full of goodness. We could not hold the goodness of God. I mean, filled with knowledge didn't mean anything unto us. We were broken cisterns and just couldn't hold, you know, any of those things. But now by his love and redeeming grace, what are we? We're springs of goodness. We're springs, you know, of, of we're filled with the knowledge of God. And, and so much so that what does he say next in the first verse? That we're able also, he says, to admonish one another. I, I, can, I can be admonished by you. And you can be admonished by me. And we can admonish those who are outside of the church. We can admonish those who are outside of Christ. We can admonish people, you know, on the job site and in the workplace and in our households. Why? How could we ever do that? Only because we've been filled with this goodness and we've been filled with this knowledge 
Otherwise, we could not. So we're able to admonish one another because of what God has done within us by his Spirit. So we don't have to wonder how it is that Paul thought this about the Roman Christians. And this verse does give us keen insight you know, into his thoughts about these people, like we said, that he had not yet met. Um, and that being the case, what would his thoughts be towards us, to the church at Cheetah, to the saints at Cheetah? What would his thoughts be towards us? You know, this letter could have been written to us, you know, instead of the church at Rome, it could be written to the church at Cheetah. And what would Paul say about us? I'm persuaded of you, brethren, that you're full of goodness. If you're brethren, you know, if you're in the Lord, if you know Christ, full of goodness. Every good and perfect gift, right, cometh down from the Father of lights, right? So everything good within us, and of course we've got to define good, don't we? We'll get there in, in a little while. Uh, the world has a very glib, you know, uh, view, looks at goodness very glibly. You know, they, they throw that word around, you know, uh, in all sorts of ways. But what does the Bible say is good? You know, well, we outside of Christ, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we outside of Christ, what does the Bible say in regards to good and us? There is none good, no, not one, right? So when I'm talking about goodness, you know, from the standpoint of being outside of Christ, there's none good, not even a single one, not even a single one. So I've tried to give you a little bit of an introduction there and an understanding of where we are, you know, in this text and where I'm heading anyway, uh, where the Lord has taken me in my thoughts this week. But um, these thoughts that Paul had towards them, like we said, are the same thoughts that he would have towards us. And it's because of the work of God in them and because of the work of God in us. That's the reason. I mean... And I don't know if you, you probably didn't notice yet. I pointed it out to Sister Linda. But if you, ha- if you turn your phones off before you get here, I- I've got a lot of verses of Scripture, which I, I, I'm guessing I normally do. You know, I have a lot of verses of Scripture, but I sent that to you. So there's a list of the Scriptures. Did you see them, Sister Delina? I told you at one point I was going to try to do that. And most of the time I'm... I'm I'm, I'm so down to the wire that, that I'm walking out the door over there and walking in here and don't have time to even do that. But I, I was able to this morning. So um, I know Sister Delina writes down, you know, she's taking notes and, and writing down. And sometimes she misses a verse of Scripture because I've just gone right through it and said it so fast that she hasn't heard it. Uh, but if I took the time to take you to every one of these Scriptures, we'd be here a while, you know. If you've seen the list, you'd understand. But James 1.18 says this, of his own will. I mean, this, this, this meshes and dovetails into what Brother JT was talking about this morning, and that's not anything by our design. I hadn't even talked to him all week. You know, I hadn't talked to him since last Sunday. Huh? Shame on me, I guess, in a way. You know, um, I enjoy our conversations, you know, but, but of his own will. I mean, that, that's right in there with live, you know, of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. He begat us with the word of truth. We were begotten by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. John three twenty seven says, John answered and said, a man can receive a little bit. Now, you already know, can receive nothing. A man can receive nothing. Nothing except it be given him from heaven. Isn't that something? That a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. Except it come from above, right? Well, that puts us all on common ground, doesn't it? Right? I mean, this, this book just wasn't given to intellectual people. This book was written for the common man, Right? It was given to us all. Now, thankfully, we have it in common language. And then there was a time when it was just in, you know, Latin, and it was chained to the pulpit. Um, you know, I, I told you I had read uh, recently that, that um, Brother Andrew, the account of his life, and at one point, some of the men that he had, that he had um, prayed about recruiting to do the same thing that he was doing, you know, I mean, 
going through border checkpoints with cars full of Bibles that you weren't supposed to take into those communist countries, you know. But they were in one place, and I'm trying to remember where it was. I don't, I don't think it was Romania, but it could have been. But there wasn't a Bible that had been translated. There were multiple languages, and there wasn't a Bible that had been translated into that language. And come to find out, that as far as they knew, they get to this one, this one church, and there is... There is a Bible that has been translated. They hadn't seen it. That all the Bible societies that they were and publishing houses they were affiliated with didn't have anything, you know, in that language. But there it was in that country, and they were just so excited. Can we see it? And and the the the, the priest, you know, in, in this particular case, said sure. And so they start heading towards it, and the priest stops, and the man that's that's walking towards the Bible bumps into him. Is like, you know, I don't understand why, why we stopped. And he's like, well, this is as close as you can get. Can you imagine? This is as close as you can get to the Scriptures. We're, we're not going to allow you to handle that. You know, not just because, and it was, I mean, it was this great big huge, you know, copy, and it had jewels and things all inset in it and stuff like that. You know, they, they, they didn't even, I don't think they opened it themselves. It was just carried in procession, you know, around is what they did with it. But they weren't allowed to look. They weren't allowed to touch. They, they weren't allowed to, to transcribe. They weren't allowed to, to, to try to make a copy to be able to pass on. Um, you know, we, we have men like William Tyndale to thank, don't we? And the grace of God uh, and, and, and what God did in that man's life that we would have, you know, this in our own tongue, in our own language. Uh, but this has not been given to the, to the intellectual you know, he's not the only one that, that can understand it. You know, how could Paul say about everybody who was a Christian there in Rome that they were full of goodness? Why didn't he just say, well, it's just, you know, the, the, the ones who are, are the intellectuals, the ones who have been through, you know, all the schools and been out all the learning? No. It was from the least to the greatest. You know, that he was able to say that about why. Because it's not according to this, you know, that we understand God's Word. Um, it's by the Spirit of God. I mean, I could speak seven languages and not know God. I could read, I could read the Word of God in seven different languages and not know Him. I know Him because of the Spirit of God giving me an understanding and giving you an understanding spiritually. I'm not saying naturally a person can't read this. They can. I mean, it's written in English. I mean, if they can read, you know, they can read this but for it to make any difference in their lives. For there be, I mean, it's going to take the grace of God. In other words, it's just going to be a dead letter, dead letter unto them. But to us, this is the living, breathing word of God. Um, I mean, this breathes fresh life into us and renews us with vigor each week as we read these things and we marvel at them that, that, that the love of God would be shown unto me, that I would know him. That I would, and because of knowing him, that I would know you. Uh, I would have never known you otherwise. I mean, not very likely, Brother JT, and I would have crossed paths otherwise. I mean, how is it that we've known one another? It's because of God. Uh, that's the only reason. Um, you know, Donnie and Delina and Cohen, I was just recounting the, the story to somebody just this week about how that somebody from a fellowship you were at before was going to move to this area and ask you to come here, you know, and, and, and kind of see what things were like here. And you came and you never left. You know, God did that. God did that. You know, that, that wasn't anything. It wasn't, it wasn't me. You know, I'm not that charismatic of a person. You know, I'm not saying I can't get anim- animated. I can, but, but I'm not that charismatic of a person. I'm not Don Johnson, because if I was him, I might be standing on this table right here in front of you while I'm preaching, you know. Um, but, but um, you yeah, know, this is, this is God. Um, so, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. That was John 3.27. Isaiah 26.12 says, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You know, doesn't it fit? It says there in Isaiah 26, 12, Thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. This goodness that was 
in these Roman Christians, this goodness that's in you, God has wrought it. God's wrought it in you. What Paul saw was the work of God in a people that he had not met. This goodness came from God. This knowledge came from God. This ability to admonish, the ability to admonish one another came from God. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9, you're familiar with this passage. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Right? By his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. You know, that, that harkens back to a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven, right? So, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely. Isn't that remarkable? The things that are freely given. Freely given to us of God. Come and buy. Right? Without money. Without price. Right? Freely given to us by God. So whatever knowledge that you and I have of the things of God, how costly how precious, you, you, were, you were on that point earlier about precious, brother. How precious Christ is. How precious the Word of God is. You, you think about David talking about it being sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. And more to be desired than, than, than gold, yea, than fine gold, right? Uh, that's the way that, that David re- refers to the Scripture. But whatever knowledge that you and I have of the things of God, it's been freely given to us of God. Because of Christ. By the love of of God, yes. By the grace of God, absolutely. So, there is goodness and knowledge given by God to his children in such things so as to allow us in love to admonish one another. That we might commune with one another. That we might fellowship with one another. That we might admonish one another. I mean, Brother Donnie was on that point. It's been some, you know, weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I don't know. But he was talking about admonishing someone in regards to fear. You know, so, you know, here we, we if we're dealing with a person who's a Christian, I mean, we've, we've got some places to go, don't we? I mean, there's some places in Scripture that we can go. But we talked about, you know, having that, that, that sort of a, an inroads into that person's life. You know, we've, we've developed a relationship. You know, they've, they've, they've seen us faithful. You know, they've, 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 they've seen us rejoice in the things of God. We rejoice in the things of God with them. And here we are afraid of something. Maybe I've got an upcoming surgery and Brother Donnie could see that I'm visibly moved and troubled about this thing. Now, I think yours was, was kind of an emergency thing, wasn't it, Brother JT, with your heart? Yeah. I mean, some people don't, it's not an emergency thing. They've got to think about it for a long time before it ever happens, you know. And I might be visibly shaken by that and troubled and moved. And Brother Donnie might come alongside and say, you know, Brother Russell, what, what do you have to fear? You know, what, what, is it that's, what is it that you're most afraid of in this circumstance, in this situation? I mean, you're afraid you're not going to come out of it? Or you, you're afraid that if you don't, what's going to happen to your family and your, your, your wife and your children? You know, what, what's the thing that's trouble? You know, the Scripture says, don't be afraid. Scripture says, fear not. The scripture says, be not afraid of sudden fear. The scripture says we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound, right? So we could just go lots of places, couldn't we? Um, so there is goodness and knowledge given by God to his children in these things so that we might be able to admonish one another. I mean, the very person who's writing this letter is proof of this, isn't it? Isn't he? I mean, you think about what he was as Saul of Tarsus, and here he is as Paul the Apostle, right? Think about what he says in 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. Stop there and think about that for a moment. 
enabled him. He says that Christ enabled him, and it says, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He didn't put himself into the ministry. Christ put him into the ministry. Not only did Christ put him in the ministry, but Christ enabled him to minister, it says. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. That's putting it lightly, isn't it? I mean, I, I think there might have been some other descriptive terms that Stephen, who was being stoned to death, might have you know, used there, murderer. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And we don't have to point fingers at the Apostle Paul or at Saul of Tarsus, I should say. I mean, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? You know, none good, no, not one, right? You know, so this same thing we could say about ourselves, and I know we're not an apostle, you know, but we could say that God enabled us. We could say that that God counted us faithful, putting us, you know, into the ministry in a sense, because you do. We're, we're, We're all ambassadors of Christ, every one of us, who was before, and we could name off all the things that we were, and it was the grace of our Lord, exceeding abundant grace with faith and love, which brought us where we are, you know, now. Um, so, you know, this, I want you to think about this too. So we've, we've kind of thought about the word good in a sense. We haven't finished with that, but it says full of goodness, full. That's pretty strong, isn't it? You feel like you're full of goodness? There's lots of times I don't feel like I'm full of goodness. There's lots of times I'm, I'm full of, of thoughts that aren't so good, you know, in, in different ways. I can be angry with people, um, you know, and I can say things, that, and I can get upset, and I can murmur, and I can complain, you know. So I'm not sure how good, you know, that is, you know, when Scripture plainly tells me that I'm to do all things without murmuring and disputing, right? Um, but God causes all things to work together for good. We understand that. So, you know, there's times the Lord puts us and allows us to be in places like that so that we can see there's some things that still need to be rooted out of you and me. There's still some battles that are yet to be fought. There's still some victories that need to be won. There's still some land that needs to be taken. You know, yeah, there's much, there's much um, to be done. So, but this word full carries the meaning of well supplied, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe someone I could say that I know I feel like is more full than I am, right? And, but Paul's talking about all of them, full of goodness. Well, my vessel may be this big right now. It may get bigger, and their vessel may be this big, but both can be full, right? Both can be full. Um, you, you know, Timothy wasn't Paul. He was, he was, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, right? Uh, and he talks about how that the faith that first dwelt in his grandmother and was in his mother, and now he was convinced was in him. And well, Timothy at that point, you know, wasn't, wasn't the, <clears throat> the, the minister, preacher, expounder of, of the gospel that Paul was. But here this vessel was of Timothy, and it was full of goodness. It was full of God's goodness. It was, it was full of knowledge. It was full of God's knowledge um, to the point it, 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 that he had come to. Uh, and, and line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, we gain, don't we? We grow in grace. The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? But grow in grace, right? Be filled with the Spirit. Um, so it, it means to be well supplied. Are you not? Have you not been well supplied? You know? We have. We have. Second Peter 1.3 tells us so. Listen to what Second Peter 1.3 says. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. Not just a little bit. Not just some things. You know, you can have these things, Brother Jerry, but these are over here. These are really reserved, you know, for those who have, have gone through this and that, and they have this degree or that degree. You know, No given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us unto glory and virtue. But it's given unto us all things, what we have, 
what we have this morning, the extent of the knowledge and understanding that we have of the Scripture. It's been given. The fullness of that that we have. To the extent that we've been filled with those things, it's been given by God. To the extent of this goodness that we're talking about, it's been given by God. So, again, we don't have to wonder how Paul could be persuaded. Don't miss that word. He says, I am persuaded that you are full of goodness. Persuaded. What's he persuaded by? God's word. Yeah. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, and it's not just these people in Rome, these Christians in Rome, think about places that he's already been and he's gone away from, right? He's, he's far away from them now. And he's persuaded the same things of them. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this is the verse that I want to get to here in Philippians 2. Listen to what it says. For it is God, this is right along the lines of the things we've been saying, for it is God which worketh in you both, two things, to will and to do of his good pleasure. That we have a willingness to do. That, that there's even a desire there, both to will and beyond the desire that we actually do those things. We're not just a hearer of those things, but we're a doer also, right? So we will and do of his good pleasure because it's God which is working in us. So God's at work. God's at work. I, 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 can, I can believe and think the best of others, like Paul is, of these in Rome, because God's at work. God's at work. It is he who is at work in your willing and he who is at work in your doing, and that does create a marvelous hope that abounds that we were talking about last week. So we wouldn't will, we wouldn't do, apart from the work of God within us. So Therefore, just on the basis of that verse of Scripture alone, supports being full of goodness because it's God that's working both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the Lord knows exactly what each and every one of us, we're going to think about God working, we're going to think about this goodness, God knows exactly what each and every one of us need. I mean, the circumstances, situations, troubles, trials, things that we go through, things that we're faced with, uh, the Lord knows what we need in order to do what? Well, let's go back to the end of what we read there this morning in Romans chapter 15, verse number 16, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. For this is the will of God, even your, what? Sanctification, right? Right? You know, so the Lord knows exactly what each of us individually needs in order to sanctify us and to preserve us, right? So, sanctified by the Holy Ghost. That's not the main focus of a lot of people when thinking about the Holy Ghost, is it? I was just talking to my youngest daughter about this yesterday. Uh, she picked up one of those little books that um, Brother Conrad wrote on tongues, you know. And um, she was asking me some questions about that, and I told her, I've worked with people before that that was the epitome of their spiritual experience and the testimony of their life in general. Except you speak in tongues. You're not really, you don't have the Spirit, you know. Well, what is it that the Lord says, you know, about those things? Um the testimony of the Lord, you know, in regards to the Spirit. John fourteen twenty six says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Here's the thing about the Spirit. He shall teach you. I mean, that fits with sanctifying us, right? That we just saw, you know, in Romans 15. He shall teach you all things. I mean, this knowledge that we have, this goodness that we're full of. I mean, just think about goodness again. Okay, let's go back to that thought just for a second. When you look in Galatians 5, and I'm, I haven't gotten there yet, but, but when you look in Galatians 5, there, there's a word in there, goodness, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, right? But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then you go the next chapter over in John fifteen twenty six, and says, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. There's the comfort, right? You want to think about the comforter. There's, there's the, the paraclete that we see in Scripture teaching us, giving us an understanding, right? I mean, isn't that where hope comes from? I mean, we, we, we understand these things. We know these things. And not just that we understand them, but they, they, are, they are imprinted in a sense. I mean, they, they are a part of us. Uh, they are alive, as it were, you know, within us. The truth of God's Word. It means something unto us. We lay hold of it, in other words. You know, to where that we look at all these things, and, 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 and Brother Donnie was even making kind of mention of this this morning in, in relationship to a, a situation that's going on in their lives right now. You know, but, but you think about Job and the things that happen, and you go over to Romans eight twenty eight, and would, would Job have said that? God causes all things to work together for good to them that love God and called according to his purpose. He would have agreed wholeheartedly with that. Um, you know, so the Spirit teaches us, instructs us, gives us an understanding. We look upon these things that happen to us, and yes, sometimes they make us afraid. Yeah, and Brother Donnie may have to come alongside and exhort and expound and, 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 and try to help, you know, in, in that regard. But that's where our comfort's going to come from. I mean, I'm, I'm going to receive some comfort from him coming up beside me and just putting his arm around me. I told you that while Teresa was so sick, you know, there were those that would come to the hospital and they wouldn't really say anything. They just sat down beside me while I'm in the, while I'm in the, in the, uh, the uh, ICU waiting room. And, and Teresa separated from me back there. They're doing stuff to her, you know, and, and I, I, I can't be there. They won't let me be there. You know, and I've got to wait out here. And, and there was a strength and a comfort. And here's this, this other child of God that's sitting down, you know, beside me. And just maybe they have their, their, their arm around my shoulder, you know, or maybe their hand upon my shoulder. Um, you know, there's an encouragement. We're able to do that. You know, why? Because of the work of the Spirit, not only in us, but in the one that we're talking to. Um, and we understand beyond that, just by virtue of us speaking to someone about Christ, just, just preaching the gospel to someone, that, that we know that their understanding of those things or receiving of those things or believing of those things, that's going to come by the Spirit. We understand that doesn't negate our responsibility to preach the gospel unto them, you know, as we have the opportunity. But we know the results. Those are in God's hands. He's got to say the thing that Brother J.T. said this morning, live. Because they're dead in trespasses and sins. He's going to have to say live. So back to this thought, this word goodness. Like I said, the world speaks pretty uh, free and glibly about it. Uh, the rich young ruler, you know, he, he, he's of this mind as he comes to the Lord, you know, in Luke chapter 18. And he says, good teacher, good master. And he did not expect, I do not think, the reply that he received from the Lord, which was what? Yeah. Why callest thou me good? Yeah, exactly. Why are you calling me good? Now, was it because the Lord wasn't good? No. Is it because the Lord wasn't God? No. You know? What's, what's, the, what's the issue here? It's because this man doesn't understand what good is. He thinks he is good, and he's not. None good. No, not one. You know, he's got a wrong idea of what good is. And isn't that the problem with a whole lot of people that we are around every single day? They have an idea of what's good. And it may extend from, well, you know, going... Oh, so-and-so down the street, we're better than he is. You know, it may come from there. You can compare yourself to people. You can always find somebody to compare yourself to and come out on top, right? I'm, I'm better than they are. I mean, that's the whole Pharisee and publican thing, isn't it? God, I thank thee that I'm not like other men are. And I'm not like that publican over there, you know. Uh, so it, it can extend, you know, from that. Or just by virtue of, of the, the sheer misunderstanding and misapplication of the word good, you know, to the things that happen, you know, in people's lives and people do. Well, they gave this or they did that. And aren't they such a good person? In whose eyes? 
Compared to what? You know, a good person in the eyes of the world? Okay. In the eyes of God? And, and, and by definition of what the Word of God says? No, none of us are. And the only goodness any of us possess comes from God. You know, we, we know that. So they're full of goodness in that sense, right? So how are we going to define good? The Bible's already told us that in ourselves we are not good. Why do people say they are then? You know, why, why do they have this misconception of, of what goodness is? I mean, they've rejected God's word. You know, what makes good good? What makes anything that you do good? Somebody help me out. What? Hmm? Okay, the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't do it otherwise. We've established, you know, that, sure. But what makes what you, what, how can it be called good? What you do? Right, okay. Mm-hmm. It's God. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyone else? The will of God. Okay. Yeah. That's another thought. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I could I could decide, naturally speaking, that I'm going to become a doctor, right? And I'm going to, you know, treat cancer patients. That would be easy for the world to call good, wouldn't it? But let's step back. Why is it that I wanted to become a doctor? Is it truly because I have a heart for other people? Maybe. There's some you know, component of that. But why is it that I want to do this good for those people? Right? Hmm? Get paid. That could be one. Hmm? Praise, the praise of men, that could be the other. I'm a doctor. You know, right? Importance, pride. We can name all sorts of things. Here's the point that I'm making. Apart from the Spirit of God, it's not good. It may be good in the eyes of the world, but there's an ulterior motive in all of these things that people do. And every decision that they make, naturally speaking, you know, money is going to be probably the chief thing that's going to drive the decision. There are people that have decided to step behind one of these pulpits because they saw there are people who make mega bucks and they have mega churches and they've got airplanes and cars and they've got this and that and big mansions and things. What was their motive, right? What was their motive? in entering into the ministry. You know, but for you, Christian, for you, what's your motive? You know, why are you doing the things that you do? Whether you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, what are you supposed to be doing it for? All to the glory of God. That makes it good. You know, right there. That makes it good. Why would we... Cons- be concerned about doing anything to the glory of God. We wouldn't be apart from the work of God within us. We wouldn't be concerned about that whatsoever. Right. Right. Well, and we were watching something along those lines yesterday. Um, you remember Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, and I can't remember all the other men's you know names, but... You know, they went down there to, you know, Ecuador amongst those, you know, Indians, and they had determined, they had firearms, but they were down there to preach the gospel. They might defend themselves against, you know, a jungle animal, but they had determined we are not going to use these weapons against the men that we've come into the midst of to preach the gospel to. And every one of them died at the end of a spear. And their wives stayed behind and continued to minister the gospel you know, to that tribe. You know, that's what Brother Donnie's talking about. Why would they do that? I mean, there were people, 
Can you remember one of the, 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 I don't know if I'll quote it verbatim, but one of the, the statements that, that Jim Elliott was, was, uh, that was in, out of his diary that was famous? Anybody? He is no fool. I'm trying to remember all of it. Do you remember what it said? Lydia, we looked at it yesterday. He is no fool who gives up you know, what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. That's not verbatim, but that's the thought. That's the thought there. People were telling Jim Elliott, don't throw your life away. Don't go off you know, and go into the mission field. You're just going to throw your life away. Those men didn't see a single convert, but their wives and children did. Why would they stay amidst their husband's murderers? Why would they stay? That's, you want to talk about full of goodness. That's the goodness of God. I mean, there was a testimony. I've killed your husband, and you're still going to stay here and preach the gospel to me? There must be something to do this. You know, but that alone wouldn't have done it, would it? You know, that wouldn't have done it. I mean, the rich man, he says, let me go back to my brothers. Let, let me tell them about these things because they don't want to come to this place where I am where you just want one drop of water to cool your tongue because you're tormented in this flame. They have Moses and the prophets. They wouldn't listen to you if, it, if one rose from the dead and came back. They wouldn't listen. It's the work of God, isn't it? It's the work of God. But you think about works, you know, in that sense. That's, that's what the rich young ruler had, right? I mean, he had works. He didn't really have faith. He didn't have grace. You know, he didn't see his need of Christ. He didn't see his need of a righteousness outside of himself. He didn't see his need to repent of his sins and call upon God for salvation. He had his works. You know. Matthew 7.22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? What do you think the motivation was for them to do those things? Hmm? Yeah, I haven't got there yet. What was their what was their motivation to do those things? How about those those seven sons of Sceva? You know, who went around saying, We abjure you demons by the Christ that Paul preaches. To come out of that. Come out of that person. And those demons said, Christ we know, Paul we know, but you we don't know. You we don't know. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And yet here they're, they're claiming all these works that they've done in the Lord's name. Right? And you were talking about that you know, earlier, Brother Donnie, the crosses and things you know, that, that uh, a certain person that he knows wears. There's, 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 there's no life in them in Christ. It's just all paraphernalia on the outside, you know. It, it's 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 nothing, you know, any different from the the Pharisees and their phylacteries, and they 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 put them around their arm, around their forehead, and made broad their their garments, right? You know, they stand on the street corner and make long pretense of prayer. You know, what was their ambition? Praise of men, you know. What what was the ambition of these people in Matthew chapter seven? You know, it must have been a similar ambition, you know, fame, fortune, something along those lines. Apparently, what they were doing. They said it was in the Lord's name, but it wasn't for the praise of the Lord. It wasn't for the glory of God. It was for their own person. And apart from the work of Christ in us, all that's done by us will be done for selfish reasons. It's only because of the work of God in us that we would do anything like I was describing before about those people that went down to Ecuador. Outside of Christ, it's all the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, and I told you, I mentioned I was going to read to you from Galatians 5. <clears throat> Galatians 5 kind of gives us, you know, a, a, two different lists. You've got the works of the flesh, and then you've got the works of the Spirit, right? So in Galatians 5.19, it says, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. You know, what's, what's the motivation for these people? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And hence those people, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your own? 
But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. And then we get to that word we've seen in our text, goodness, right? Faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, true goodness is a fruit. This goodness they were full of was a fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit, which we only have by the work of God's grace. And Paul says, you're full of it. You're full of goodness. By the work of God, you're full of goodness. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man, what? What kind of man? A good man. Full of goodness, right? Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Let me ask you, do you delight in following after Christ? Do you delight in God's commandments? Do you delight to fellowship with his people? Do you like delight to come to this place this morning and hear God's word proclaimed? Do you delight in those things? Do you delight in keeping his word and following him? Do you delight in forsaking sin? Right? Do you delight in seeking to please him? Think about that. You and I, can we please God? Now, if I'm of the opinion of those that I described to you in the beginning, they would say, no, it's impossible. Now, the Scripture does say something about that, that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. But you are not without faith. Therefore, it is possible, Sister Linda, for you to please God. I mean, aren't we, don't we think about it in those terms whenever you know, we, we pass from this life into the next? And there the Lord is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom with joy and gladness. You know, do you know the scripture talks about God rejoicing over us with singing? You know, we, we've talked about that before. It's one thing for us to sing these hymns. You know, and sing unto him and sing his praise. But he rejoices over us with singing. I don't know what words, you know, necessarily those are. Um, You know, the angels must hear it. He rejoices over us with singing. Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, full of goodness, right? Bringing forth good things. I'm getting up in the morning, Cohen, and I'm praying and asking, Lord, give me grace today that everyone that I would come into contact with, that I might, Father, bring forth these good things. You know, people, people will say that to you sometimes. They'll say, what do you know good? Hmm? You ever had anybody greet you that way, Brother Jerry? What do you know good? Has the Lord opened the door? Am I going to be able to speak to this person? I don't know. You know, I might be able to speak to them. I can tell you what I know good. I, God, God's good. Let me tell you how, God, how good God is. He saved a wretch like me, you know, right? So I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see, right? So good bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So... As we said before, we're not saying that we're without sin. If we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves, right? The truth of God's not in us. You know, we, we, we realize that we are able to sin. We realize that we need to watch and pray that we not enter into temptation. But that's not the bent of our hearts. Our desire is not towards evil, you know, do we fall into those things at times? Absolutely, but our, our desire is towards good. Why is our desire towards good? Because God's filled us with his goodness. That's why. That's why. So really, in a sense, Paul's proclaiming the miracle of salvation here when he says they're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to exhort one another. You know, 
I mean, these are people who once drank in iniquity like water. You and I once drank in iniquity like water. That's how we thought about iniquity. We desired wrong. We desired evil. We desired iniquity. But then God came and said, live. Right? And now we hunger and thirst after something different. Righteousness, don't we? We hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yes, and joy and hope and goodness and you know, mercy. And we could just keep going, couldn't we? we? We hunger after those things which are good. What a glorious reality has happened unto us. I, I think sometimes we fail to think upon it. We, we get comfortable with it. But what's been done in your life and my life uh, is, 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 is simply astounding. It's incredible. It's amazing. No wonder John Newton could pin the hymn and say, amazing grace. Right? It's not just grace, it's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. But think about where we've come from and where we are and where we yet will be. Isn't it amazing? Romans 6.22 says, Now we're made free from sin. Now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Once we weren't that. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. Everlasting life. So, yes, God is at work in us. He's at work in us. This goodness they were full of was because of the work of God in them. The goodness that we are full of is because of the work of God, you know, in us. We know that there's, like we said before, more ground that needs to be taken. You know, that goes, I'm not going to get further than this first verse this morning, but um, I had an ambition to do three. But I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it there. Um, but this, this sanctification of the Spirit, sanctified by the Holy Ghost, there is a longing within us for this battle to be fully... We, 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 know, it's, we know the victory's ours. I mean, it's already been written. It's already ours. You know, but there's a longing that it might be fulfilled. You know, there's a longing that we would dwell in that place where righteousness is, where sin no more can trouble us and harm us. We haven't apprehended yet, and that's what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, I press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything, this is, this is something, if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He's going to correct it. He's going to chasten us. He's, he's going to correct us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, put away lying, speak truth, don't be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, don't give place to the devil. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you've been sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. That would not even be something that could have been said to us before. We wouldn't have wanted to put those things away. You know, There are people that work for us, they say, you know, since I started working with y'all, my, my language has been cleaned up a whole lot. And, um, I'm not going to say it's nothing. Maybe it's the beginning of, of what God may be doing, you know, in their heart and life. I don't know. That, that, that's my hope. That's what I could pray for. Lord, let it not just be that, that they've cleaned up their language. But let it be that that desire to say those things and think those things and do those things might be removed. Yeah. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I was listening to a message recently that that um, a brother that I know was was preaching and he used an illustration of a prison that he had gone into and and there was a man there that someone had borrowed a radio from him you know you don't have a whole lot of possessions in prison you know right i'm looking at my mother-in-law because you know she she's she used to work in an office you know that was that you know for the state and, and she knows about some of those things um you know had to read a lot of mail you know even you know but there was a radio and this man had borrowed it and he dropped it and broke it 
And the man who the radio belonged to became furious and just began to let that person have it for dropping his radio. And another one of his fellow prisoners said, show a little mercy. And it broke that man's heart, you know, that he was acting that way. I mean, as soon as he said, show a little mercy, you know, maybe the man was a believer, I don't know. But, but you know, that's what's being said right here, you know, that even as Christ, for God, for Christ's sake, I've forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It broke his heart. It broke his heart when he said, show a little mercy. Show a little mercy. We might have to admonish. That's what was happening there, right? That man was admonishing the other, saying, show a little mercy. And it made a difference. And there are other passages, First Peter 2 one through three about laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and evil speakings. And then he goes on to say, as newborn babes, desire the sincere miracle of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. And we have. And we do desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That we may grow. Why? That we may walk before God in upright and an acceptable and, and well-pleasing fashion, you know, Colossians 3, 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Hebrews 10, 22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke. This is getting to that admonition, right? Full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to admonish, right? So, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let, us, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. My brothers and I did the exact opposite of that as we were growing up together. We didn't provoke one another to love and good works. We provoked one another in different ways, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. But we are called to provoke one another unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Is the day approaching? It sure looks like it. Sure looks like it. So this is the work of God's goodness in us. This is the work of sanctification by God's Spirit who calls the Christian to be holy as he is holy. Listen to what's said in Job God says this to Job in Job 38, verse 36. You remember when he starts to question Job there at the end, right? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Job didn't put it there. Job's friends didn't put it there. God put it there. Or who hath given understanding to the heart? God's done it. Psalm 51, verse 6 says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. That which God desires, he's doing within us. He desires truth in the inward parts, and he's putting it there. He's writing his law upon our hearts, you know. So this is why Paul could talk about being full of goodness and filled with knowledge and being able to admonish one another. Well, I've, I'm not finished, but I've kept you long enough. Um, I'm afraid if I go any further, it would be in vain because I've, I'm, I'm going to lose you um, in a sense. To, you get tired. You can only, you can only endure you know, or hear what your seat can endure. And after a while, those seats get to be pretty hard, don't they? Yeah. The back, too. The back, too. Yeah. We've got cushions on the bottoms, but some, they get hard too. Yeah. Well, Job's friends had some good things to say to him, but um, they didn't apply to a situation. Let me just say this. When people admonish you, sometimes they may not completely understand what it is that you're going through, and they may think they have a grasp or a bearing upon it, and they say some things, and you're like, well, you, know, you really don't understand you know, what I'm, what's happening with me. Receive it in the spirit that it's given. Take from it whatever you can. Thank them for it and ask them to pray for you, you know. Um, you know so um, I'll say that about this, this idea 
of admonishing. We're not, we're not called to pick on one another, but to lovingly, um, ably, as God has made us able, um, to have an input you know, in each other's lives for good. An input for good. Um, all right, let's stand. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Remember the meeting that's coming up next month. Um, be in prayer, you know, for that. Um, Sister Shelby sent us a uh, text before or in between, I guess, services that um, she wasn't going to be able to be here today because she needed to be with Steve. So, not sure. I can imagine, but uh, be in prayer for her. Uh, she said she was going to miss being with you today. Um, you know, you, you think about that. I mean. There's probably been some times. I don't know how, how long were you not able to go to church, Brother JT, when you had your heart surgery? Yeah, and and we get in a situation like that, and we miss it. We miss it. If Sister Betty's not feeling well and can't come. You know, we miss it. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm not here because I'm preaching somewhere else, guess what? I miss you. I do. Um, I mean, there's. Yeah, people think about these great big churches and all these people, and but you know, it's there's not there's there's something here. There's something to be said about a small group of people and an intimate fellowship that you can have, you know, with those people. Um, so, you know, we miss uh, being with one another when we can't be. I mean, how about the whole COVID thing? And you know, think about that when we weren't able to. I mean, I was talking to some. We weren't able to meet. You know, at first we didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, and then started coming back, you know, together. Uh, but um, think about when people were doing this instead of shaking hands. I mean, you, you missed the time that you could hug somebody's neck, you know. Uh, people were a little like, you know, standoffish, and you missed when you could shake somebody's hand. Um, that's that whole idea of forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, right? Um, how, how are we going to admonish one another if we're not together? Um, well, I can worship God on my front porch. What are you missing? You know, yeah. Admonishment. We need to be admonished. Um, so, I, I know I get to do a lot of the admonishing. You know, in a sense, from here, <laughs> Brother JT gets to do a lot of the admonishing. But he and I both need to be admonished. You know, as well, don't we? And sometimes we're admonished, and people aren't even speaking directly to us. They're speaking to somebody else, and we're like, hmm. They're not talking to me, but they're talking about me. And, Lord, I hear what you're saying, you know. So, all right.